Welcome to the podcast of Maranatha Ministries. I'm Rick Frank, Senior Pastor of Maranatha, and I pray you'll be blessed by today's message. You can access all of our church information by going to our website at www.mmchurch.com or on all social media by searching at mmchurch. And now be blessed by listening to today's message. How many here have suffered or may be currently suffering from the fear of the unknown? I don't know about you, but um, I've dealt with it, especially, especially going into the new year. We talk about resolutions and goals, and you know, you don't know what, what is coming down the pike. You don't know what's going to happen this year. You know, it's, it's, it's so easy, especially, I got to tell you, especially in the world we're living in today. There is the fear of the unknown. We're going through this pandemic. We don't know if it's going to end, when it's going to end. The shelves are empty. I mean, you go to the grocery store to get stuff, and you're like, uh, <laughs> like there's nothing there. So, um, you know, no one knows what, what this, what this year is going to bring. We're, we are surrounded, as people, we are surrounded by uncertainties. Amen. There were some men that were on a leaky old ship in the middle of a rough and stormy sea, and they feared that their lives, they feared for their lives because they had no idea whether they were going to sink or survive. One of them went to see the captain and asked, Captain, are we safe? And the captain responded, well, I'll put it this way. The boilers on the ship are very weak and may explode at any moment. The ship is extremely old, and she's taken on a whole lot of water. So to be honest with you, we may have an explosion or we may sink. But, he continued, we may go up or we may go down, but at any rate, we're going on, right? (laughs) Is that not how we have to face this year? Listen, we don't know if Jesus is coming, and we don't know if he's not coming. We don't know if the shelves are going to stay empty, and we don't know if they're going to be full next week. We don't know if the pandemic is going to be here to stay, or if it's going to turn into an endemic. But I do know that at any rate, we have to keep going on. Amen? I'm going to read from my scripture today is Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. And it says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So out of these two verses, I want to preach today on the four C's of conquering fear. <clears throat> and these concepts, we're going to apply them to face not this new year, not just this new year, but every year coming down the pike. Amen. Let's take a second here and let's just pray. Jesus, thank you for your goodness and thank you for your faithfulness. I ask that you touch this service today, God, that you'll anoint me, that you'll use me as a willing vessel to speak your word that you'll open the minds and the hearts and the ears of everyone sitting here today, that they'll hear and understand what you want them to hear and understand. We ask all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to face our future by squaring back our shoulders, putting a smile on our face, and saying, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. And with that, I'm going I'm to talk about our first concept today, And we're going to talk about the contentment of his provision. 
In verse 5, we read, let your conduct be without covetousness. Now, the word conduct there means your behavior. So let your behavior be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Listen, discontentment is a disease. It truly is. It takes away your joy. It takes away your peace. And it will literally make you quite miserable right? If you're discontent, if you're constantly comparing yourself to other people, you are going to be miserable. But what is contentment? It's not getting what you want, but having, but getting what you already have, but wanting what you already have. Contentment will make a poor man rich, and discontentment will make a rich man poor. No matter how much you have, if you are discontented, friend, you are poor. Amen? Sometimes we want things we don't need, and sometimes we need things we don't need. <laughs> How many times? I mean, I got to tell you, when, when Michael and I first got married, he spent a lot of time being completely stressed because I'm the type of person that I, I verbalize everything. So, like, if, if something just pops into my head, like, oh, I'd love to go to, on a cruise to Alaska, or, you know, I really need new countertops. You know, these floors could really be changed out, and it's just me thinking I don't really, you know... I don't really necessarily want these things. I don't need these things. I can tell you I still don't have a kitchen floor. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, that's not where I grab my satisfaction, but I enjoy sometimes thinking about your plan, you know, your five-year plan. Well, he spent all of his time being so stressed out when we were first married because he thought there's no way I'm going to provide her what she, <laughs> what she wants. I'm never going to be able to, to get this stuff for her. And he was so stressed out about it. And, but it just goes back to sometimes you think, you know, I'm, how many times have I said, or how many times have you said, I need this? I, I need this for my house, or I need this for my children, or I need this for, and really, you don't need it. You just don't. You don't need it. So, there's an analogy that I came across, and I thought, oh, my word, is this not amazing? There were two tiers who met up along the river of life. And one tier said to the other tier, where did you come from? And the first tier replied, I'm the tier of a girl who loved a man and lost him. And he replied, where did you come from? And the other tier said, I'm the, gr- I'm the tier of the girl who found him and married him. Is that not like the perfect... <laughs> analogy of life. (laughs) You think you need something. You think you want something, and you pine for that, and you pine for that, and then you finally get it, and you realize that's not really what I needed or wanted, right? It's it's not anything that, that lived up to what I needed because God knows best. God knows what is best. How many times do you think you need something? We get our luxuries and our necessities mixed up, don't we? We, we tend to get that a little mixed up. 1 Timothy 6.6 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. I got to tell you, church, you are rich if you know the Lord and if you are content. If you have those two things, you above are, are rich. Above all men are rich. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we will carry nothing out. But having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. That's what 1 Timothy 6, 7, and 8 says. If you've got clothes on your back and you've got food in your belly, and you have Jesus Christ in your heart, I will tell you right now, friend, you don't need anything else. That is what you need in life. Amen? Material things can never bring 
contentment. And the reason they can't bring contentment is that material things can never satisfy the deepest longing of our hearts. Material things can never, they don't bring contentment. Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, take heed and beware of covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Material things will never give you the true longing of your heart. It's like trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Did I say that right? I get that from my mom. I don't, <laughs> I don't always say those sayings right. But, the, uh, but, but looking for material things to satisfy the deepest longing of your heart is like taking a square peg and trying to fit that into a round hole. It doesn't work. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, He that loveth silver shall never be satisfied. You know, they asked Rockefeller um, a long time ago now, uh, how, much, you know, how much money is enough money? And he replied with just a little bit more. Now, Rockefeller, if you take his, his wealth from back then and convert it into today's money, he makes Bill Gates look like a pauper, like a poor man. That's how much money he had. And he responded with just a little bit more. How, how awful of a life where you can't be content with being the richest person in the world, and yet we can sit here right now and be content because we have food, food in our bellies, we have clothes on our back, and the best thing of all, we have Jesus Christ living inside of us. Amen? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm saying all this about, you know, material things and, and silver, and there's nothing wrong with material things. There really isn't. If you have the money, if you make the money, and you're able to afford nice things, by all means, Jesus blessed you. Use it. Buy what you want. Bless others. There's nothing wrong with material things. All I'm saying is that they simply cannot satisfy the deepest longing of your heart. So if you make the money, and Jesus has blessed you with the money, and you're looking for that to fill material void in your heart, there's a problem. Amen? Psalms 37.4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now listen, I am a 39-year-old woman, grown up in apostolic church, and, uh, and I got married what is considered extremely old for apostolic church. <laughs> I got married at the age of, uh, I think I was 37, that is like ancient, I should have a cane bent over, you know. I, I was, that is considered like decrepit old in the church, right? And uh, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've grown up and, and scripture just gets kind of taken out of context to fit what you're looking for. So, you know, you hear these young girls that, that are just so desireful to be married and it's not happening, and what do people say? Pray. God knows the desires of your heart. God will give you the desires of your heart. And I hate to break it to you, but I don't think that that's what this scripture means. Because you forgot a whole part that says, delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean that he's going to meet every surface need. 
and every whim and any little thing you're, you lay your eyes on. That's not what this scripture means. Uh-uh. This scripture means that when you delight yourself in the Lord, what your heart is really seeking for, then you will find your delight. Because what every person's heart is seeking for is Jesus Christ. Is Jesus Christ. So guess what? When you delight yourself in the Lord, your heart will find what it's been looking for because it's been looking for Jesus Christ. Amen? What our hearts really yearn for is God. And that is what's going on with the world around us. The world is trying to fit materialistic things. They need to get this. They need to get that. They need to buy this house. They need to drive this car. And really what they need is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So we just talked about the contentment of his provision. And the second thing I want to talk about is the companionship of his presence. For some reason, this topic makes me (laughs) a little emotional, so just deal with it, all right? Bear with me. We're all family. Companionship of his presence. We just read, he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I don't know what I'm going to face tomorrow. You don't know what you're going to face tomorrow. You don't know what you're going to face next week. You don't know what you're going to face next month or next year. You don't know. We don't know. But what I do know is that he said in his word, he will never leave me nor forsake me. We fear because we're afraid of what we're going to have to face. And we're afraid that we're going to have to face something that we don't understand. And then we also fear because we think we're going to have to face that thing we don't understand. We're going to have to face it alone. Right? There, that's the fear of the unknown. The fear of the unknown is not sure what's coming. And there's that uncertainty. And, and are you going to understand what it is? And then you're doing it alone. We just got through the holidays, right? And the holidays are some of the loneliest time for people. Um, you know, we talked, Bishop mentioned life talk that I do on Wednesday nights with my friend Janae, and, and we've talked about a lot of these issues. We talked about depression right around the holidays. This is a lonely time for people. This is a time that they realize that maybe they don't have as close of friends as they thought they had. Maybe they don't have family that are as close to them as they want. They don't have people that they can talk to, but what they fail to see is they have Jesus Christ. Amen? Dr. Abraham Maslow is a famed research uh, analyst, and he said the truth is that the average American does not have a real friend in the world. That's sad. They do not have, the average American does not have a real friend in the world, someone that they can depend on, that they can count on, that they can use as their confidant. They don't have that. And a psychiatrist, Alfred Adler, said, all human failures spring from a lack of love. From a lack of love. And he listed some of those failures. Some of the failures that people go through, he listed due to a lack of love. And some of those are alcoholism, workaholics, depression, suicide. He said all of those things spring from a lack of love. 
People need someone to love. But even more so, they need to be loved. Amen? They need to be loved. They did a, um, a study on, on how much physical touch does a, does a person need. And they found that a person needs four hugs a day just for survival. I mean, think about it. When you're fully alone, you need four hugs a day for survival. I'm telling you, this is why some strangers are just like, oh, I need to hug you. There's this longing. They want to be loved, and they want to love. And so four hugs a day for survival, eight hugs a day for maintenance, just maintenance. I'm not like a huge hugger. I have to know you to want to hug you, but eight hugs sound excessive, right, a day? (laughs) My brother is my mother. And uh, they are all touchy-feely and loving and kissing and hugging. And, and um, yeah, so James got his maintenance hugs growing up. Eight for maintenance. You ready for this? You need 12 hugs a day to grow. 12. That is crazy. 12, <laughs> 12 hugs a day. So now that I know that, I wrap my little son up and I do one Move away. Two. Move away. And I try to get all 12 done at the same time. (laughs) But what this shows is that we want to be loved and we want to love. Greek scholars tell us that in the sentence, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, has five negatives in it. Five. So now I, I grew up in a little Christian school with my brother and and um, we did uh, a Becca. And one thing I learned for grammar was um, negatives are not good English, right? Double negatives, especially not five negatives. That's like really bad grammar. But um, apparently it wasn't bad Greek back then. So five, five negatives are not bad Greek. So here's what the sentence is literally saying. Ready? I will never... No, not ever, no, never leave you nor forsake you. So I'm going to say that one more time in case all those negatives threw you a little bit. He says, he says, I will never, no, not ever, no, never leave you nor forsake you. There was a preacher that was visiting an old grandmother and he was uh, giving her a time in, in uh, you know, giving her some comfort in her old age and he took out his Greek New Testament and he started reading her the scripture and he started explaining to her that there were five negatives in that sentence. And that old grandmother caught him off and said, well, God may have had to say it five times for you old Greek boys, but he only needs to say it once for me. And you know, I immediately envisioned my mother as an old grandmother because that would be my mom. <laughs> I only need to hear him say it once for me. There is companionship in his presence. When he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, what he was actually saying was, I will not abandon you. I will not give up on you. And I will not leave you a helpless orphan. Now, this is where I get a little emotional. Our brother Jamie passed away a couple weeks back now. And during that time, Jamie, during the time that Jamie was fighting cancer, Bishop would tell us, 
you know, give us updates every week. And, and he would always make a point to tell us that when Jamie would pray, he would pray for healing. Absolutely anyone in that position would. But he always followed it up with, but whatever your will is, your will be done, right? So if that's healing me, great. If that's taking me home, great. I want to be healed. That's the desire of my heart. But his desire overall was for whatever Jesus wanted. Amen? And, you know, every time Bishop would say that, I would start thinking, how? Listen, I know that, that I have Jesus, right? I have been I have repented. I have been baptized. I have been filled with his spirit. I know where I'm, I am very confident where I'm going when I take my last breath. But I got to tell you, there's still some kind of little uncertainty, right? There's still a little uncertainty because that's a, that's a big thing to, to, to deal with. And, and as confident as I am where I'm going, there's still a little fear of the unknown. What's going to happen? Where, you know... There's still that that little fear, especially when you're when you're doing this constant this constant fighting. And I used to always think when Bishop would say that, how how could he face death and say that and not just not just prevail over Jesus? Please heal me, please heal me. How, how was he able to do that? And then I started and then I started um, studying for this for this message, and I realized that he was able to do that because Jamie knew the companionship of his presence. Jamie knew during that time the companionship of the almighty Jesus Christ. He knew it. And he understood the words at that moment. He understood the words of, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Paul said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And Jamie understood those words. He understood the true companionship of his presence. When I'm discouraged, his presence sees me through. When I'm lonely, his presence cheers me up. And when I'm worried, his presence calms me down. Amen? Listen, do you know what worry is, church? It's a form of atheism. Worry is a form of atheism. And you don't want to know why? Because worry is acting like God does not exist. That is what worry is. Acting as though God does not exist. Psalms 116.8 says, For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. David Livingstone. Is anyone here familiar with David Livingstone? All right, so he is the great missionary from the 1800s who not only took the gospel to Africa, but he's actually accredited with discovering much of Africa. And he lived a life of what most would consider lonely, others would call extremely dangerous. And while he was in Africa, he wrote a journal. He had a journal, and he did an entry on January 14th, 1856. And during that time, he was surrounded by hostile people who were beating war drums, which was letting him know that they wanted to attack him in the morning, right? So in his journal, his entry started out with, felt much turmoil of spirit in prospect of having all my plans for the welfare of this great region and this teeming population knocked on the head by savages tomorrow. Now he's sitting alone, just, just picture it. He's sitting alone 
in the heart of Africa, in this jungle, sitting around a campfire, knowing what's out there, knowing that there are these savages that are beating drums wanting to, to kill him. And then he goes on to say, but I read that Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. David then went on to write, this is the word of a gentleman of the most strict and sacred honor. I will not cross fervently as I have intended. Why should such a man as I flee? I shall take observations for latitude and longitude tonight, though it may be the last. I feel quite calm now, thank God. And what he was saying at that moment was he was saying, Jesus is never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. Here's a man in the middle of a jungle surrounded by wild animals, savage people, and he knows the companionship of his presence. Listen, there's someone sitting here today whose husband or wife has walked out on them, children whose parents have forsaken them, others who have felt abandoned and alone and forsaken, but I'm here to tell you there is someone that will never leave you. There is someone that will never forsake you, and his name is Jesus. No matter what we face, when I'm discouraged, I know he sees me through because he's there. Amen? I'm going to finish this. I, 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 I can't do the other two right now because we're already coming up on 930. So I'm going to finish this next week with the last two concepts. But I'm going to end by saying, when I'm discouraged, his presence sees me through. When I'm lonely, he cheers me up. When I'm worried, he calls me. And when I'm tempted, his presence will help me. Church, I'm asking you to have the contentment of his provision and get to know the companionship of his presence. Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Ministries podcast. If this message touched you, please make sure to subscribe for more sermons from Pastor Frank and the ministry team here at Maranatha, as well as follow us on our social media platforms. We are located in Schenectady, New York, and if you are in the area, we invite you to join us during our weekly Sunday service starting at 1030 a.m. We look forward to you joining us again next week for another anointed message. Thank you and God bless.